Well, um, as you know, if you were with us last week, um, we began a series um, looking at a, se- a, a sort of a, a series of characteristics, personal characteristics that can change the world, can change the world around us. And they come from 2 Peter, that letter to Peter. Um, and it's about character, about the character that makes all the difference in the world. We see character when um, we become most aware of character, perhaps when people fail, when politicians don't live up to the integrity that we would wish of them. But actually, what God calls us to is a life where that character is being formed within us. We use this picture, and we'll probably come back to this quite a number of times over the weeks. Peter says in his first chapter, make every effort to add to your faith, which is where we started, goodness. Make every effort to make goodness, um, sort of, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. What's interesting is when you read books about this passage, commentaries and the rest, hardly anybody says anything about it. It's because it almost feels like, yeah, goodness. What's worth exploring about? Goodness. It's kind of like, it feels a bit like, you know, when you were a kid and you've got the echoes of your mother in your ears, just be good. It doesn't feel that exciting. It doesn't feel that transformative. And yet, and yet, I think it is foundational. And Peter clearly thought it was foundational because these characteristics he saw in some way as steps on the way. Now, it's not that these are the only order you can do things in, but for Peter, he clearly thought it mattered that if you are a people of faith, then the next step to take is make every effort to add goodness to that. So here's my question. What does being good mean for you in your everyday situation at this stage of your life? What does being good mean for you in your everyday situation at this stage of your life. I'm going to ask you to think about that, and then in a moment or two, I'm going to ask you to find someone and say, well, what did you think? But while you're thinking, let me tell you a little story. We were driving, me and Maggie were driving uh, the other morning, and um, we were behind a car like that, a Fiat 500. We used to have two cars, and one of them was a Fiat 500, and it was my car. And as we were driving along, I said to Maggie, conversation was lagging, I said, oh, I miss the Fiat 500. It was a good car. Now, and then when I was thinking about this sermon, about goodness, in a sense, goodness is linked to purpose. So... Why did I ever think the Fiat 500 was a good car? And some of you blokes are going, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. You see, if it's just a, a vehicle to get from A to B, it could have been any car. Don't make it a good car. But I loved my Fiat 500. The Fiat 500 is not a car to turn heads. Except if you're a 50-something male driving, because they expect it to be driven by a 25-year-old blonde girl. I used to enjoy that. It's fun to drive a Fiat 500. 
It is actually quite a fun car to drive. It's very economical and it's brilliant in a city because you can get into the smallest of parking spaces. I mean, I still hit things, obviously, but I didn't need to necessarily. And it was surprisingly nippy. And I used to love being on the motorway, overtaking Teslas. <laughs> Other cars are available. And waving as I went past. You see, for me, the Fiat 500 is not a car that... My son disowned me for driving it. And lots of you told me it was a girly car and why are you driving it? And you did tell me that, but I was resolute. But for me, it was a good car. Fun, economical, nippy. And I love smashing the stereotype. So goodness in the car was linked to purpose. So let me go back to you. What does being good for you mean in your everyday situation at your stage of life that you're at right now. What does being good mean for you? What I'd like you to do is just take a moment or two to turn to someone and go, I have no idea, what do you think? Um, so could you have a conversation with two, perhaps three people who look intelligent and um, just ask them, what do you think? What does being good mean for you at this stage of your life in your particular situation? Don't get caught up on the Fiat 500, because I, I can imagine you would. Don't get caught up on the Fiat 500. What does it look like for you? Okay, I'm going to uh, interrupt you, if I can. Okay. How many of you um, were thinking about a work context? Okay, and what does good look like there? I'm just going to come and pick on a few, not everybody, but a few of you. What does good look like? Um, so as, as we discussed, I was saying, um, being fair with uh, the people I lead and in other teams when they are um, accusing others of not working as well and things like that, being fair but also decisive in actions to take. Okay, being fair when other people are saying they're not working well and being decisive. Someone else put their hand up down there for work. Uh, now I'm getting closer, you didn't. Uh, no, it wasn't me, I didn't put my hand up. Uh, but somebody did over here, I think. I think someone put their hand up over here. There's a word for you people that did that, it's cowardice. Jill. Um. Grass. <laughs> Um, okay, um, in, in, in teaching, a lot of things are justified by not having enough time to do them, so um, sort of people are time poor. So doing the things that take more time are um, important. So um, this week, because we've had a huge mark load and I'm a feeder, um, I brought in a huge amount of food on Wednesday, just like snacks, because partly to justify my own snack eating but also to feed up the other people on the team who have at least three exam papers to mark in the next three weeks. Okay, brilliant. So you feed people. Goodness looks like feeding people with, with, with gifts when you didn't need to. I think you put your hand up as well. I did, actually, yeah. 
I'm not a coward. No, you're not a coward. <laughs> I'm thinking of doing evangelism like this. <laughs> no, I'm not really joking. No, it was just the, um, um, the balance of like trying to do your job really well, because there's lots of little bits that need doing, but also having time for people, and that's sometimes difficult to do yeah. both. Really. Doing your job well and having time for people. What does goodness look like in that context? How many of you put up your hand? <laughs> I know how this is going to go now. How many of you talked about family? Yeah, no, no, we didn't. We didn't speak about anything. We didn't speak about anything. <laughs> Who said family? Yeah. What does goodness look like in family? Um, for me, um, my parents who are. 90 live in Chester so it's about going over there um, as regularly as I can do to support them and my in-laws um, my brother-in-law and mother-in-law um, they're not very well so it's about supporting them from a distance really and, and loving them hmm. so it means time, it means effort it means remembering anybody else for family, what did you say? right at the back, that's helpful oh Excellent. I'll come to you in a minute. <laughs> For me, it was just having extra baby into my family. So I have now four kids. Let's just pause for a moment. Feel it. Four and children, and your fourth is three is, months old? Yeah, four months now. Four months old, yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm not doing, I'm not good <laughs> to them for what I'm doing at the moment, and I feel like it's too oh, much. Yeah. And I'm saying, am I doing too good yeah. to them or okay. to myself? Yeah. It's just, just in my head. Can anybody encourage this woman? She's got four babies. One is three months old, and she thinks she's not doing good enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, hey, where are they, by the way? Are they at home? No. They're over there. Okay, that's brilliant. It's just I didn't want to make sure you lost them. Um, Jill at the back. What does good look like with family? Yeah, being able to help my family, um, not just uh, in time, but also sometimes financially when they have needs. Um, I'm in a position now where I haven't got a mortgage. I've paid it all off. I don't have to pay rent, um, which is a wonderful blessing. And so I can help them sometimes but also the tables are beginning to turn a bit because they're able to help me with things that I can't do. How old is your youngest child? My youngest daughter yeah. is 38. Yeah. 38 years later, you're still doing it. That's all I want to encourage you with. 38 years. I wonder what goodness looks like for you. One of the things that's true for all of us is that goodness is a choice. And we're going to listen to um, Claire, who's going to read us a short extract of the story you know really well about a man who came to Jesus. The rich and the kingdom of God. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, 
Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Thank you. You know the story really well. This young guy um, who's rich, um, in Luke's gospel it says he's a young ruler, comes to Jesus and he says, what do I, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, actually, you enter life by doing good. Uh, keep the commandments. And the interesting thing is Jesus outlines the commandments, and the commandments are all the social aspect of the commandments. He doesn't talk about, you know, um, don't be idolatrous, only love the Lord, keep the Sabbath. He talks about the way you are with other people. And then um, Jesus, and the young guy says, well, I've, I've done all that. I, I do that. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. So what's happened is that Jesus has moved from good deeds to being perfect. Now, the problem with perfect for us is it makes it sound as though you never make a mistake. Um, so we would never say to one another, I'm perfect. <laughs> um, but because that you're never going to make a mistake, that everything, you know, you've got it all under control. But actually the word that perfect relates to in this context means whole or complete or good. Jesus says to the young ruler, if you really want to be good, I think it's true that most of us go through most of our lives asking two questions. Am I lovable? And am I good enough? And Jesus here is talking to a man who wants to be good. I want to be good. And Jesus says, well, if you want to be whole, if you want to be someone who doesn't do just good things from time to time, but if you want to be whole, if you want to be complete, then, then sell everything you have. When Mark tells a story, he says uh, that the young man walks away uh, sad because he was rich and Jesus had looked at him and loved him. And 
if you want to read the rest of the story, the disciples then are really surprised. Because if you were rich in Jesus' time, what that meant was that you were absolutely blessed by God. And so when Jesus says it's really difficult for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven, the reason the disciples find that so difficult is because it's the sign of being blessed. Sell what you have and give it away. And then you behold. Now what has happened in the history of the church is uh, that in the medieval times particularly, people started to think what Jesus meant was there are some people who are good, just good. They do good deeds, everyday stuff. They're like A-level Christians. And then there are perfect, and they're like degree-level Christians. All right. So the perfect ones were nuns or monks, the ones who went around, they had nothing. I don't think Jesus meant that. I think it's this. You have someone standing in front of Jesus who is rich, who is young, and who has a reputation. He's a leader. And he's a leader with a reputation because he's rich. And Jesus says, what I want you to do is give away everything that has formed that identity... It's, you know, in a sense, if, if that young man did that, all he would left be with, all he would be left with was being young. I've got nothing else now. And I think what Jesus was doing to someone who says, I want to be good, is saying, okay, well, don't be so formed by your culture, but become vulnerable. Don't be cushioned by the trappings of why you think you might be blessed by God or how comfortable you are because of your money. But can you stand before me vulnerable? And I think the helpful thing about that is that that call is to all of us Sometimes he will say to some of us, give away what you have. He'll say to all of us, be generous. But sometimes he'll say very specifically to very specific people, I want you to sell whatever you've got and give it away. But to all of us, he says, if you want to be whole, will you become vulnerable? If you want to be good, The truth is, in our culture, we don't want to actually be too good. Nobody wants to be called a goody two-shoes. We say to one another, I'm only human. <laughs> Not that good. And the last thing most of us think about is that we need to train to be good. We just look at people who are good and we go, well, I don't know, it's brilliant that they're so good, but I don't think I could ever be like that. But what Peter in his letter is saying is you need to train to be good. It doesn't come natural. I need to train to be good.
how, how do you become good? Well, two things. The first thing is we follow the path of the original young ruler who gave up everything and became poor so that we could live. You walk the footsteps of Jesus. He was the original rich, young ruler who gave up everything that we might have life. I want to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's not, it's not really, the, and you'll have heard this before, but it's not really the thing of what would Jesus do. It's really, what would Jesus do if he were living my life now? What would goodness look like if Jesus was the father of a three-month-old child who's already got three others? What does good, what, how would Jesus parent four children? How would Jesus deal with the, the, the fallout between people at work? How would Jesus deal with elderly parents who are sometimes at a distance? I want to follow in your footsteps, Jesus. How would you live my life? And you kind of want to say on the one hand, you throw your hands up in, 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 in the air and go, well, it's impossible. Except Jesus has already asked us to deny ourselves and follow him. I'm going to disown my own rights. I'm not going to fight for my own desires. I'm not going to stand up for my own rights. I'm going to practice doing good things. I'm going to go against the flow of expectation. I'm going to train myself to do good. And the thing about training, for anything really, and you've all done this in some part of your life, you know, even if, you know, even if you're a rubbish driver, you know, you went through the mirror signal, signal maneuver bit so often that it became second nature. You trained yourself to look behind you in brackets, most of the time. You trained yourself to bake a cake without constantly having to follow the instructions. You trained yourself to run. You trained yourself in your career. You've done this before. You know how it happens. And the, the way it happens is through repetition. That's how you become good. It's through repetition of doing the good things. It's the repetition of not standing on your rights. It's the repetition of not worrying about your reputation. It's the repetition of always thinking about the others first. It's the repetition of being generous. And the things that you find difficult at first are the things that we, I, have to keep on doing. Because then they become second nature. Final slide. Paul writes about it in Romans 14. And in the context where the church there in Rome were falling out about markers of holiness, about the things you eat, the things you drink, the days you keep holy and the th days you don't, about the things you do and the things you think about other people, he gets to this point and he says this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, about doing the right things. Number one, it's about peace. 
about being peacemakers. And it's about joy. Nobody wants a martyr in their life. Please deliver us from martyrs who do the right things but let you know that they're doing it for Jesus, not for you. Season your good acts with joy. Act as peacemakers. But act of righteousness. And then interestingly, see what he says? Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. In other words, people see and they go, she's brilliant. She's just good. And they then discover you're a Christian. There's a tragic story this week, amongst many tragic stories in Turkey, about a young guy whose first name is Christian, and he's a footballer, professional footballer, Premier League footballer. And he... He died in the earthquake in Turkey. And in the Guardian yesterday, um, in the Guardian newspaper, there's a, a column written about him by someone who knew him and said he was such a good young man and his faith shone through everything he did. They will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That young Ghanaian guy He was only in his mid-twenties. But people said he was good and it was come from his faith. You will please God and people will give you approval because of your righteousness, because of your uh, peace that you bring and because of your joy. This week you will have multiple opportunities to do good. And it won't be heroic. And it won't be big stuff. It'll just be very, very, very small acts. But each act that we engage with that's good will be an opportunity to go, I'm doing this for someone else. It's not necessarily what I would have chosen for myself. I'm going to do the right thing because I'm going to train myself in goodness because it's not enough just calling yourself a Christian because actually I want the goodness of God to shine through my life. That's what Primrose said right at the beginning of the service. I want the goodness of God to shine through my life. I'm going to invite the band back and we're going to sing a couple of songs just in in worship really as a response to this. But I just wonder while they're coming and while they're beginning to do that, do you just want to take a moment just to pray for yourselves? Pray for this week. Think about where you're going to be. Think about what you're going to be doing. And the truth is, there's some things that you know exactly what you're going to be doing and there's a whole number of things that will take you by surprise. They'll happen because you've not planned them. But together we say, Father God, we want to train ourselves to be good. So Lord, here we are, your people. We've testified to one another this morning about the goodness of God. We've spoken to one another about 
some understanding of what goodness looks like in our context. Lord, at the end of a service, we ask that you'd fill us with your spirit. That things we know would become second nature to us. And Lord, I pray for those who are tired of doing good. Perhaps because sometimes it's been thrown back at them or it's not been appreciated. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a renewed sense of desire to do good. Lord, I pray that our goodness would change situations around us, we pray. That our righteousness and our peace and our joy would bring honour to you. Do it, Lord, we pray.